0: Everybody, it is Sarah and I'm here doing a solo record of an episode of And What Do We Learn? And I am covering my, my main jam right now, which is my strange addiction, no big surprise. Um, today the episode that I'm covering uh, concerns, I will put the title and the episode number in the, of course, in the title of the episode in the description um i don't have it on the top of my head but um or off the top of my head malapropisms well, fun um but i just i felt an urge to talk to create to do something besides just watch um i think it's sort of an effect a side effect or just a natural maybe healthy reaction to turmoil that's happening in our country in our world um in a way that most of us haven't experienced you know this kind of anxiety you know I think maybe the last time in our country things were this broken and tight might have been you know the 70s and then before that it's like World War II obviously there were things in between but those are the things that come to mind when I try to think of you know times that people felt this insecure about everything and I I mean all people like I, I know what I believe and I know where I stand. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that it's clear that all people are angry and anger is fear turned outward. So essentially all people are afraid, you know, and, and some people are smarter than others. Um, and some people are really impressionable. So suffice it to say, I just felt like creating something, maybe you know, we learn about this, we talk about this in in the the field of behavioral therapy, you know, a lot of times people on on the spectrum or just people, just anybody who's struggling will create output to block input, which essentially means um, it's like talking to tune somebody else out, right? Uh, And I'm not in denial of anything that's going on. I just think this is helpful for balance. It's helpful to me anyway. So, just putting that out there, but um, the uh, episode that I am covering um, with myself <laughs> and the clips is an episode regarding a gal who eats dryer sheets. Um, she's been addicted to that behavior for some time. Uh, it's also called pica, eating you know non-edible items compulsively. Um, and the other gal is a trans young trans woman who is um, you know the pathology is pretty clear and we'll get into it but she feels most comfortable when living in in this kind of um, baby role-playing thing not necessarily with other people she seems pretty solo about it but she wears diapers and drinks from a bottle and it's it's clearly a security thing um, and we'll get into it but I did find myself really feeling for both people in this episode which I don't I guess I don't always identify with the people sometimes I feel like their addiction is something that they're really proud of and they're really like forcing on others and maybe they're on the show to promote themselves as opposed to like say that they feel like there's anything fundamentally useful about getting therapy or getting medical help Uh, and that can be frustrating but I do really enjoy episodes in which the people featured are very, are open, at least open to speculating about, I wonder why this happened, and hey, maybe this is affecting me, you know, and even if they don't stop, like, especially with the habits that are not um, physically harmful. So anyway, um, what I'm going to do is play the first clip, and I'm going to go chronologically. I hope that doesn't bother anybody. Let me know if it does, Um, but yes, we're talking about two people today. Um, and we'll start out with the synopsis of um, the uh, dryer sheet eating which I think this clip is valuable because uh, the person in question is actually ruminating on why they think this started which is not always the case so we'll start here um, and then we'll continue and discuss and like I said on Patreon I'm, I'm essentially just when I do these episodes by myself, I want there to be a balance, and so I feel like the clips are kind of my conversation partner. Of course, I've watched this already, uh, right, but it's, there's nothing quite like interacting, even if it's interacting with um, people on screen. I know y'all know what I'm talking about, so without further ado, here is our first clip.
1: My name is Charmissa, I'm 35 years old, I live in Dallas, Texas, and I'm addicted to eating dryer sheets. Most people use dryer sheets in their laundry. Me on the other hand, I love the taste of dryer sheets.
2: Charmissa's addiction to chewing dryer sheets began four years ago. She was initially tempted by the clean laundry scent.
1: And it smells so good. It's a shame.
2: Mm, mm, mm. She even hung dryer sheets in front of her vents to make her home smell fresh. Then she had the strange urge to taste them. Now she can't stop.
1: It's ridiculous how much I want to do it. I'm doing this almost every hour on the hour. That's crazy. I just look to the dryer sheet for stress relief. If I'm ticked off, if I'm stressed out, this is what calms my nerves.
0: Okay, so we get a little cut in here letting us know. Shermisa goes through up to eight dryer sheets a day. That's nearly 3,000 sheets a year. Um, I know not everybody uses dryer sheets, but they do have, it's essentially like drinking laundry detergent. Um, so many chemicals. Uh, but what I notice and, and appreciate about Shermissa is that she's not defending her habit. She's investigating it. And anybody who goes to a, a legitimate therapist for treatment about a habit that's pervasive, whether it's a substance or a behavior, you know, the first thing you have to do is sort of like just cl- check in with yourself, to tune in and and question, okay, why is this happening? what happens to trigger it you know and how do i feel afterwards and why and where did that come from and that's what those are the building blocks you need to come to okay so how can i you know help myself in a healthier way and i really appreciate that chimessa is essentially doing that already she just needs outer resources which i completely understand i've talked about this a million times <laughs> i also have struggled with eating disorders and and pica is considered an eating disorder eating um you know things that are not food, even if it has nothing to do with trying to lose weight or whatnot. Um, It can have to do, in some cases, it can have to do with like mineral deficiencies, which is really interesting, but most cases it's behavioral and it's like linked to like a developmental issue or trauma. Um, Some people consume soap or chemicals or cleansers because they've been, like, this is just an example, but they've been, sexually violated in some way and some way their brain gets this twisted idea that consuming soap is the only way to be clean you know and i I can identify just that when i was bulimic every time i had food in my body i felt i don't know how to explain this but i felt dirty it made me feel dirty i needed to get it out it was just it was just yucky everybody else could eat it was fine but with me it was like i always needed to be empty Um, so that's a, that's a story for another time, but, um, suffice it to say, I can really, uh, understand to a degree, um, how this developed, you know, it was a weird habit that was comforting once and now it's all consuming because she, there's just tools she needs that she doesn't have emotional tools. Um, so I'm going to click play kind of her own thoughts on that here.
1: The taste of a dryer sheet is pretty much the way it smells. It's not sweet at all, of course, but it's kind of spicy and tangy at the same time.
2: The taste is so intense, Charmisa wraps the dryer sheets in tissue to tolerate the chemicals. Despite this, she can't put them down.
1: I am at my worst now. If I don't have it, it's like I have withdrawals, literally. Well, I remember the first time that I saw her chewing the dry sheets, and she just pulled it out of her bra. Like, that, that's not normal. I've always been a busty girl. It's just been a convenient place for me to place things. My bank card, my phone. So, what's more convenient than placing my uh, dry sheet sandwich in my bosom?
2: Charmissa learned this deadly addiction from her mother.
0: Okay, pausing here because this is the part where we get some real insight into modeling and how powerful it is um, and how this developed in a really unique way for Sharmisa. This is not something we see all the time, Um, but it is very, very interesting. So hope you don't mind this being clip heavy, but like I said, I kind of just wanted to create something open, an open dialogue about something. And I really like interacting with the the material when I especially when I don't have another person talking to me. Um, so here we go with kind of her explanation about her mom. Also, I just want to say, like, I find her very endearing. I know you can't see the screen and her sister's very frustrated with her, which I totally understand. I would be the same way. Uh, but the the way that she's like, well, where else would I put it? I put it in my boobs because that big boobs, like she's just such a modest person trying to get by she is not trying to be ostentatious she is not trying to be loud and proud about this she's not trying to hurt herself or anybody else she's just like what else do i do you know she's stuck i like to say in this case (laughs) she's just stuck um but thankfully the the um therapist she sees later is pretty awesome and we'll get there but i just want to include this little bit about her talking about her mother because this comes up a lot
1: Growing up, you know, I used to watch my mother chew on tissue, chew on paper towels, but now I didn't see anyone doing the dry sheets. I, I don't, I can't tell you where I got that from, that was my own doing. I'm really worried about her kids. You can tell kids all day not to do, and not to do, and not to do. Um, the fact of the matter is, kids are going to do what they see. No, Gabby. Mm-hmm. Spit it out. Spit it out Gabby. Spit it out on your Thank phone. You.
0: Right. So what you didn't see, but hopefully we're able to deduce, uh, was uh, along with Shermas explaining that her mother very much taught her to do this, uh, which is a real thing. Kids do what their parents do, right? Especially when they're little. Um, She's also explaining her sister and she are both remarking on the fact that her little girl is starting to imitate her. Which is obviously not ideal. They don't want her learning that, yeah, you eat tissue, you eat paper, you eat this, you eat that. So it just goes to show as much as you think you might be hiding something or functioning, like if anybody's observing you, it's a child. And if that child is imitating you, then honey, nothing is secret. And again, this comes with no blame. I just, it's so, it's so true. And again, I appreciate, I appreciate, I appreciate that Sharma says, aware of that i appreciate that she well she's honest god she's got no hubris i mean i really admire her not for eating dryer sheets but for doing this show and being really brutally honest with herself like that's hard to do so anyway the print that we get says dryer sheets contain more than a dozen chemicals At least six of them cause cancer and nervous system disorders. So there's another episode that I watched recently that I might cover um, concerning a woman who sniffs gasoline. And this was kind of a similar comment. It was like, um, you know, these chemicals that you're inhaling or ingesting can essentially strip your nerves. And then once your nerves are stripped, your muscles don't work right and once your muscle doesn't work right you know like it it just it's like deteriorating you from the inside out which is scary you know we all think we're invincible we think something goes in it's going to come out i've said that before but that's not always the truth your body absorbs what you put in it right that's why drugs work that's why alcohol works (laughs) um and that's why people get addicted to stuff like this so uh so let's see what comes after this My biggest worry
1: is how it's going to affect her body. Is it going to make her sick? Is it a slow death? This is literally a poison that I'm putting into my body. As much as I want to quit, the struggle is that I can't stop. There's no telling what I've done to myself.
0: Right, okay. So that's kind of a cap on the first part of um, Charlissa. It's like or Sharmissa I'm sorry I keep forgetting what her name is because it's very unusual Sharmissa um her sister's name is Charlie that's a lot easier to remember (laughs) okay so we'll get back to her um but then we're going to dip our toes into um an entirely different story concerning Riley and this has nothing to do with really anything that's bodily harmful this is all psychological and quite frankly pretty easy to understand like the pathology Uh, and I I just have a lot of thoughts on how uh, Riley could be helped, how she could you know do this in a way that's functional Um, and not because I know everything but because I'm just (laughs) this is my field and I'm just so eager to help people even those that will never hear me so let's check in with Riley and what her story is we're in Buffalo New York
3: My name is Riley, I'm 25 years old, I live outside of Buffalo, New York, and I'm addicted to being an adult baby. I dress as a baby as often as I can. Whenever I come home, I always slip into one of my cute little outfits, and it helps me wash away all the stress of the big, tough world.
2: Riley has turned her bedroom into a nursery. She sleeps in her crib every night.
3: I love pajamas, especially footy pajamas, things with ruffles and pink. I love having my hair in pigtails and sucking on my pacifier.
0: Okay, that's a lot, I know. So I just want to talk a little bit about Riley. Riley's 25. She looks much younger, um, she especially because she prefers pigtails. And she likes to do kind of an affected voice that's a little bit babyish. I think that goes along with the um, preference. I don't want to call it anything judgmental. Uh, But what we read here is Riley spends nearly 12 hours a day dressed as a baby. And by that, I just want to say uh, that includes like doll, like or not doll, but like little dresses, like girl, dress up girl. Like She's kind of teetering between baby and toddler behaviors. Which still makes sense. I mean, you would consider a young, a very young girl in a dress that's baby clothes. Um, anyway, they calculated that's over 4,000 hours a year. I want to say here, though, I, Riley um, seems to support herself as far as I can tell. I am not clear on that. But she she provides for herself. Um, and she, I believe, is able to lead a life publicly because she, conf- she confesses all this to a friend later. So she's, she must have an alternate life. I don't know if she works remotely. I, I really, I wish I knew more of her story, um, but kind of like the the basis of it is that Riley is trans and she had to grow up as a boy and she didn't feel like a boy and she wanted to grow up as a girl. And that's where this comes from, you know, and she's aware of that. And look, I don't think it's like f- socially functional right I don't like it's just going to be really hard to live and that's just a fact but I can see it working in a therapeutic sense if it's guided like okay how about you know every uh, you start with three hours a day that's designated baby time you know and you plan fun things and then you start to wean it down and then maybe it's an hour a day maybe it's an hour every other few days and then you start to I would start to like ratch up the progression like okay well if you want to grow up as a little girl as she states let then you grow up little girls grow up so you aren't always a baby you know now you're a toddler now you're a child if that's what like functionally she needs or, or desires therapeutically there's nothing wrong with that that is not hurting anyone it's just kind of a matter of boundaries I think boundaries and and long-term best interest like it's it's not in her long term best interest to live like a baby forever Um, Because it's just not uh, forward thinking, right? She may be alone. And if her goal is not to be alone, then she's going to want to work this out. And just in general, if she wants to work out her feelings and be a a woman who is happy and functional, then there's more to it than being a baby and reliving the childhood you didn't have. So those are my opinions. Uh, But all that said, I have a lot of sympathy for this person. And I actually kind of admire them for their self-awareness. I just feel like, oh, I wish I knew you. I could help, <laughs> you know. I am not going to cure you. I'm not going to make you better. I'm not going to try to change you. I just think there are so many great therapeutic ways to to shape this experience and this behavior. So that's just me. So we'll we'll hear a little bit more. <laughs>
3: I started wearing diapers when I was about 13, and then that kind of gradually turned into fascination about pacifiers and onesies and baby or diaper accessories. When I was younger, I felt shame. Sorry, I just
0: paused this here because there's I have one more thought, and it's not confirmed by anything, but I wanted to make sure I mention it. I do also wonder if um, Riley was either abused or neglected or just had a shitty childhood. Because it doesn't seem, because things like onesies and pacifiers, you don't have to be one gender to get those. Those are pretty standard. So to me, there's also, appears to be an element of neglect or not being loved, not being accepted. I know she speaks about bullying later, but even by her parents, I'm not sure. Perhaps in her upbringing, she didn't feel loved. She didn't feel coddled. She didn't feel cared for. And this is compensatory. This is making her feel safe. I'm a baby. I'm, uh, no, one. I'm, I'm safe. I'm a baby. I'm taken care of. Even if it's by myself, being a baby means less responsibility somehow and, and, and more safety. Uh, anyway, sorry about the interruption. Here we go.
3: I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to have a normal life doing this.
2: Riley's friend James is one of the few people who knows of her strange behavior.
4: I first found out about Riley's addiction maybe about three or so years after we became friends. You know, was a little surprised. You don't run into too many adults that like to dress like babies.
3: I know it's something that is very unique to me, and I definitely don't tell people unless I think they're going to be okay with this. It's my little secret.
2: Riley is also transgender. She was born a male, but always felt awkward and out of place. Five years ago, Riley began living as a female.
3: I believe that gender is something that you can choose. I very much...
0: Okay, I just want to point out, if she started doing this at 20, but she started wearing diapers at 13, this issue predates actually coming out, and it predates trying to be a, a female. So, again it points to other trauma, perhaps just trauma of being trans and feeling uh, potentially unaccepted and unloved and unsafe, which is really, it's devastating because that just means this is a coping mechanism to deal with fear and trauma and who's safer than a baby, right? A baby's loved for, a baby's innocent, a baby doesn't have to take care of themselves, they're protected. Um, And it seems like Riley is creating her own situation in which she's the baby and the parent at the same time. So she can
3: bi- parent herself. Maybe? I don't know. Let's watch more. I believe that I'm a girl. It just feels so comfortable and it's just so right for me. Wow,
4: a bottle and a footie sleeper? Oh uh, Yeah. Don't you think that's a bit much for just hanging out with the two of us?
3: I kind of like it. It makes me kind of feel younger and like a kid and stuff.
2: Riley is so engrossed in her addiction, she spends nearly $400 a month on accessories like diapers, baby powder, and bottles. She wears diapers 24 hours a day.
3: These are definitely my favorite type of diapers, the briefs. They're the crinkliest, they're the most absorbent, and they have the tapes on them, so you actually have to go through the whole process of diapering. Wetting my diapers is just something that kind of comes naturally with wearing diapers. The feeling of release and the feeling of comfort of a, of a warm, wet diaper is, is really something that is very special to me. Being an adult baby makes me feel different ways. Sometimes it makes me feel really happy. Sometimes it makes me feel kind of sad.
2: Riley hasn't been able to find a long-term relationship.
3: I know that ultimately most people aren't okay with this.
2: Is she too entrenched in the baby lifestyle? Will her addiction stop her from living a
4: full life? I do worry about Riley's addiction. Her life would probably be a lot easier if she didn't do this, but I don't know if she really would ever want to stop.
3: Sometimes I wish that I wouldn't have gone down this path, but usually it takes just a half a second to go. Oh, come on, Riley. You love this.
0: All right. Um, you know, it's all, it's all a lot. It's all like full blast. It's not even like a cash thing. Like, you know, when you see the room, it's decked out. Uh, what I notice... I think beyond anything else of the gender stuff is riley saying the feeling of a wet diaper is comforting in a a pacifier a warm wet diaper so babies themselves do not like wet diapers that is why they cry that is how you know their diaper is wet usually i mean there's some kids that are like eh, fuck it but the fact that this is kind of a big this is a big part of the kink also I don't know if we'll air it, but at some point Riley says, I, I wet the diapers, but I don't do anything else in them. So she's just, she doesn't defecate in, in the diapers, only wet. So it makes me wonder if there's some connection between wet diapers and childhood. And like, maybe she felt safe in her bed with her wet diaper and, you know, held a teddy and that was her coping mechanism. And now she's just reenacting that. Because anything, any sensory stimulus around you, you can connect that to a moment, to a feeling, to a thought, to a a need, right? It's like the people that are addicted to smells or the people that are addicted to the feel of a certain blanket or just having it with them. Um, You know, there's these, there are these transitional objects and transitional feelings that, like a blankie that we hold onto as children. And it seems like Riley is holding onto a lot of them in a really dysfunctional way. So it's very interesting. So now we are getting the information, some specifics that Riley wears at least three diapers every day. And um, that's over a thousand diapers a year, which gives us some kind of insight into how pervasive this behavior is, at least the the diaper behavior specifically. Um, And what this is leading into uh, is a clip that I want to share that is of uh, Riley's friend that she knows clearly outside of this context uh, is coming over to you know to learn something or to see some surprise. Riley hasn't told her specifically what it is, um, so this person doesn't know anything about any of the baby stuff or little girl stuff or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so naturally, it's a it's a kind of a crunchy, awkward scene to watch. Um, But let's go ahead and dive in, and then we'll talk about it.
2: Few people know of Riley's addiction.
3: It's hard to tell somebody because there's always been that fear that they will completely being super negative to me and judgmental. Hey, how
2: are you? Candace has been one of Riley's closest friends for over seven years. But because Candace lives in another town, she has no idea Riley is living most of her life as a baby. Today, Riley is finally ready to confide in Candace and reveal her addiction.
3: Um, you know, I'm transgender. You know, I've been living as a girl for Effort. You know all about that, but I have something to talk to you about. Um, okay. I'm just going to give it a minute, and I'll come out and talk to you about that, all right? Okay. Cool. <laughs> <sighs> I, I don't have any
5: idea what's going on, but I hope everything's okay. Candace. Hello. Oh, okay. <laughs>
3: So, what I wanted to tell you was that I am addicted to being a baby and wearing diapers. <laughs> this is my uh, wonderful little room. It's my nursery. I don't know what I was expecting to see. Um, it was definitely a surprise. This, uh, this crib is really awesome. I kind of built it from scratch out of an old, you know, antique bed. And forgive me for being a little <laughs> well, I didn't do this because I, you know, wanted to shock you or anything. You know, we've been friends for a long time. Well, I'm glad you told me. Oh, my God, I was nervous. This is quite a lot to take in, but at least you didn't scream and run out of the apartment. You know, I never got a chance to be a little girl, you know? I mean, I grew up as a little boy, and, and so it's nice to be able to create new memories. <sighs> Am I sounding, like, completely crazy right now? Well, I mean, obviously it was a
5: shock walking in, but I'm really glad you told me. I don't think it changes how I feel about her. It's her life. I really just want Riley to be happy and
3: healthy. I don't feel like what I'm doing is wrong or dirty or weird. There's no reason for me to stop, so why should I?
0: Okay, so that was a lot. candace was very gracious um she wasn't rude or upset as many people might be just to have been, you know to have been a- ambushed not i don't mean this to sound like i think that candace is nice for respecting riley everybody should respect riley should respect everybody um i just mean she's very gracious she's very graceful um, you can tell that she's very, very taken aback and having a hard time processing what she's seeing. You know, if you happen to watch this episode, you'll see the room that Riley's in is very elaborate. Um, you know, it's not just a crib and a big closet full of diapers. It's like rainbows and this ball princess ball gown, like t- stapled to the wall and like clouds and rainbows and kites and it's it's very um you know it's like what a really 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 girly little girl's room would look like um so it's a lot and and riley is sitting there in a little nightgown and in pigtails holding a teddy bear not not a nightgown um and uh candace is kind of like whoa okay uh this is just like so out of context right to someone you've known for seven years like that's a lot to, to know that they're entire. Ha- I know she means to be kind when she says, excuse me, when she says it doesn't change how I think about her. Um, but I think that's kind of a misnomer. It's It's okay if how you think of someone changes or how you see them changes. That doesn't mean it's going from positive to negative or vice versa. It just means you're understanding them better. So you you do want to see people for who they are. So getting more information, fund, I mean, fundamentally does change how we see someone. If you met someone at the bus stop and then you learned that they were like a war hero, all of a sudden that would change how you saw them. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but. Uh, now this is a factor and perhaps it explains certain behaviors perhaps it explains why like I'm assuming Candace has never even been to uh, Riley's home despite being friends I know she lives in another town but still um, despite their being friends for seven years so I do wonder how close they were I I don't know how close she is to anybody if if no one knows Um, so yeah it's just you know it's a typical reveal for this kind of a show But Riley does she's pretty calm she's not defensive well she's a little defensive when she says I don't think anything I'm doing is wrong or weird um but that's fair I mean like she she's not harming herself physically it's just a matter of like how are you gonna function in society you know how how easy is that going to be for you is kind of the question you know what risks do you want to take what struggles do you want to take on which battles are you going to choose um and, and also, like, is this a way of avoiding, in a way, sexuality? Because sexuality can be really complicated for someone who is trans, you know? <laughs> like, I can only imagine. Um, and I certainly can't relate to that myself, but I'm very aware of what a big... I mean, if, if you're trans, sexuality is, is, like, the beacon of everything. And it, there's a lot to parse and a lot to figure out i'm sure especially if you feel like your own body isn't your own um and so i wonder if riley is tentative about delving into a sexual relationship and and being a baby negates a a need for her to breach out and try or or acknowledge that it's something that she wants you know because a baby wouldn't want that a baby's not sexual a baby doesn't know what sex is obviously um so it just makes me wonder if that's also it's also an avoidance behavior you know i don't have to deal with my sexuality or or exposing to people you know who i really am or figuring out who to date or figuring out who would be comfortable dating you know me like not that i'm saying there's anything wrong with her i'm just saying i know it's got to be much more complicated for somebody who is trans it's just because because they are you know "Quote unquote different uh, than the rest of society um, in that they weren't born the gender that they identify as and so I can like I said I can only imagine the difficulty of that so I think I'm kind of repeating myself so I believe we're gonna have a clip coming up um, regarding her experience with another friend But before we get into that, we travel back to check in with Sharmissa. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Look, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Where are you? Where are you? Yeah, I wrote it down. Sharmissa. All right. Missa, Missa, Sharmissa. Okay, let's check back in with Sharmissa. We're going to see Charmissa having a conversation with her sister Charlie regarding the issue, obviously the the dryer sheet consumption.
1: When Charmissa told me she was chewing six to eight dryer sheets a day, I felt scared. One is out of hand, but six to eight, ridiculous. It's like I have mixed emotions. I wanna stop, but at the same time, I still wanna do it. I struggle with the fact in knowing that this is harming me. Do you remember the first time you did it? It started off with the smell. The smell of it was enticing. Unbelievable. Okay, I like perfume. I like the smell of body spray, but I don't drink it. I know, it's What crazy. does it taste like? It's like a soapy consistency. You know how? Oh like, my have God! You ever, have you ever taken a shower and it's like soap getting in your mouth no, or something like dude. that? No, dude. I don't eat soap. I don't taste it. It's gross. I'm worried about the chemicals in the dryer sheets. Whatever the side effects are, I'm pretty sure they'll lead to death. You're chewing on one now, right before me. Have you tried to stop? I have tried to stop. I really have. Really? Mm-hmm. But after, I, I would have to go back to it. I would like for her to see a doctor so that she can at least find out if there has been some sort of um, effect on her body. I don't get it. I know, well, that's why I'm gonna get some help so we can get it. Thank God. Please stop. It's not easy for me to stop this, and I don't understand why.
0: Something I want to point out right off the bat is she did not say it's not going to be easy for me to stop this, and I don't understand why other people don't get it, which is 99.9% of the time of the time what people say on these shows. What she said was, "This is going to be really hard for me to stop this, and I don't understand why." Period. Why? So she again, like I said before, she's investigating her problem. She's not defending it or or saying it's functional or okay in any way you know because it's not she knows it's not but she wants to understand why and because that's the way to stop (laughs) and uh i just i i admire that so much that logical chain of thinking because a lot of people don't possess that and as frustrated as her sister is she's got to at least she has to at least appreciate that you know, Shermissa is saying, yeah, I want to get better, of course. That's why I talked to you about this. That's why we're having this conversation. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I find that encouraging when thinking about, you know, the the likelihood of somebody of Shermissa succeeding in in stopping this habit and remaining in remission or recovery, whatever you would say for this. I'm not entirely sure. Um you know makes me feel a lot more hopeful about about her case uh and with that we move on to sharmessa visiting a doctor doctor i don't know why i said it like that she's visiting a doctor um and it's a pretty moving scene i'm not gonna lie it's rough uh let's get into it
6: is there something that makes
1: you want to ingest dryer sheets more often than at other times or i i think it's my level of stress um you know, and I don't want to make an excuse and say, you know, I'm a single parent, you know, I have to work, or I got to do this, I got to do that, because everybody does that. But a dryer sheet it calms me, it, it, it actually calms my nerves, literally.
6: My immediate reaction was one of grave concern for her. The carcinogenic potential of some of the ingredients in the dryer sheets could be dangerous for her. Death is absolutely a possibility. There are a bunch of different chemicals that are put together to make dryer sheets. When you ingest those things, that could be fatal. There are known carcinogens. These carcinogens can cause anything from pancreatic cancer to lung cancer. There are also significant effects from many of the chemicals on the central nervous system. Difficulty with concentration, difficulty with memory, and it may not affect you now, but down the road when you're trying to remember your 15-year-old's soccer game or where you put your keys to go pick your children up, that's when we're going to see these effects.
1: I wasn't going to say anything. and I was just going to continue on and doing what I'm doing. I want to do better and I want to be well.
6: I think this is a very good first step for you, and I applaud you recognizing it as a, as a problem and seeking help for it. So moving forward, our checklist is going to consist of regular visits as well as a psychologist
1: or counselor. I have to stop this, and I don't want to continue on harming my body and, God forbid, not being here for my children.
0: oh obviously that's encouraging that was hard for her to hear you know the hard truth I really appreciated that her doctor was totally respectful didn't talk down to her at all she spoke to her like they were equals and you don't get that a lot with doctors especially if like you're doing something that's abnormal or harmful you know like even if you smoke like a lot of doctors will just be like like I mean I don't smoke but I'm you know if it's unhealthy, they don't, they don't like it. Excuse me. Um, so I felt that the doctor was compassionate. I felt that she was very good at encouraging and praising, um, for being, for being honest, for being there, um, and for being willing to get better. Like, I was like, yes, thank you so much for praising her and not putting her down because she does not need, you know, punishment. She needs praise. She needs to be reinforced for taking this step and so loved seeing that and I think we get I think we get right after this uh the blurb about her oh no not yet we actually go right into Riley so we're gonna get um caught up with uh after this but Basically, there's kind of a breaking point between Riley and her friend, her male friend. I cannot remember his name, but we'll hear it in a minute. Um, And the uh, inciting incident is um, shopping. And the difficulty Riley has shopping because she's always wearing diapers, like big, crinkly, as she describes them, big, crinkly, velcroed or whatever strapped diapers, and they're both, you know, I mean, you've seen a diaper, everybody's seen a diaper, (laughs) Um, you know, they're big and bulky, they're nothing like slim underwear, so they're gonna show in most clothes, so this is an interesting scene, Um, this one, yeah, I'll save my thoughts for after I air it, but let's let's check it out and then i'm going to talk about what i think <laughs> about this entire like tableau
3: yeah, if you will my name is riley and i love acting like a baby diapers are my security blanket when i wear diapers i feel like i can do
2: anything Today, Riley and her friend James are on the hunt for clothes that can keep her diapers hidden. But one question still remains. Why is Riley more
4: comfortable dressed as a baby?
3: Ooh, this is definitely my style. Very
4: pretty. So how would something like that work with your diaper? What do you think I might show?
3: Well, that's why you try everything on.
4: I do worry about how people could react. This is definitely something not very normal. What do you think? That one's not gonna work, the, the diaper showing. Those jeans are, are too low. The, the diaper's definitely gonna show if the shirt moves just a little bit. It might work without the diaper.
3: What about this one?
4: This is a little ridiculous.
0: I just wanna say, like, Riley is a very nice figure. Um, You know, I feel like she could pass well without having to be this little girl character you know i mean what she's trying not that it matters what her figure is of course but she i i feel you know might find that she can find happiness and success wearing the clothes that she's trying on she's trying on some clothes that are like not little baby girl clothes and she looks good you know i mean minus the diaper so anyways i just wanted to interject there here we go
4: Wrong. Hmm. Haven't you considered how this might be affecting your life in any way? I mean, you have to shop for your clothes around all of this. It's not that big of a deal. Well, I mean, what about stuff like relationships? I mean, don't you think it's going to be pretty hard to find someone to accept that? I can find somebody. The, the world is a big place. She was listening, but I, I could definitely tell she doesn't really feel like it's something that's a problem for her at all. I mean, you know, just as your friend, it's, uh, it's a little concerning. I mean, would you be willing to at least see a professional for me? I just you know, I just want to make sure that you're happy and healthy and you're doing the best thing for you.
3: Well, when you say it's for you, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess I would see
4: somebody. My hopes for Riley are that she may gain some insight into what drives her to dress like a baby. I just want her to be happy, and I wouldn't want to see dressing like a baby get in the way of her happiness.
0: Okay, so James is his name, by the way. I got that. Um jim's you know he's he's kind of cranky about it but he makes a very good point he's saying you know don't you think he's not saying like oh god you're such a weirdo you know he's not being unkind or rude or saying like i dislike you what he's saying is don't you worry like that this is gonna make it very challenging for you as an adult woman fetishizing diapers don't aren't you worried and um Riley's response is maybe a little bit of denial but she doesn't say like at least she doesn't say I don't need anyone she says the world is full of a lot of people and I can find someone and honestly if that's the way she or anyone wants to go about it like yeah absolutely you're allowed to be yourself um you know no one has the right to tell you like that you can't live your life the way you want if you're not harming anybody else you're not harming yourself you're just not a typical run-of-the-mill man or woman or whatever or non-binary you know um so there's that you know there's a tons of communities of people that love this you know what I mean like there are people out there for her she's not wrong so I don't know that like an intervention isn't necessarily like a necessity here, but it does seem like the friend sees like, okay, maybe the easier way for her is at least trying to figure out where this is coming from. And if maybe it's a cover for something or a coping mechanism for something and not necessarily what makes her happiest. And that's what he said. So he's like, I want to make sure she's happy because it can be hard to tell is someone happy or are they consumed by something um and so yeah uh and to her credit she agrees because Riley seems like a pretty kind person who really cares about other people um she seems very nice and chill like i don't i don't dislike her at all um and she values her friend's opinion um she values both of the friends that we see their opinions um so yeah that's how i feel about it um that whole thing you know at first you think oh she's in denial and then and then you're like well maybe she's not maybe this is the decision she's made could it be harder than any other possibility yeah but is she in denial not not necessarily so following this we see riley meet with a therapist and what i thought was cool about production i'm guessing made this decision um about the way they did this was the therapist actually came to riley so she got to see the environment you know she didn't see plain clothes like work workday riley like who was describing things because you know who knows how accurate it's going to be or what she's going to choose to bring up or you know it's hard to be in an, a therapist's office and be like yeah here's all my embarrassing shit like i i mean trust me i get it, it took me years to finally be like what am I going to lie for? I'm paying to be here. Um, but it's just instinct to be really protective of information that you think is something might make someone judge you. So, um, it's awesome too, that Riley allows her to come. Uh, that's a big step. And so the therapist is at Riley's home and I'm going to play the clip. And I do like, I generally like the therapists that they employ in this show. Um, so let's yeah let's
2: get into it about her well-being and asked riley to meet with a therapist
3: wow so this is my nursery i would like to kind of get some background information because the only way we can really understand ourselves is to have a context i got bullied a lot when i was in eighth grade i was thrown downstairs by just a bully and I broke both of my wrists at at that point and it was very traumatic. How did that affect you? How did you feel about yourself? I just just felt kind of like, you know, a little worthless. I don't necessarily feel I do this because I had all these negative things in my life. I, I challenge you a little bit on feeling like this aspect isn't very strongly related to your experience. It's not possible for someone to make her change. It's her coping skill. So trying to tell her that she just has to stop, she'll just drive it underground. I see no reason to change. I love the way I live my life, and I'm going to continue being an adult baby.
0: Okay, I definitely take back what I said about the therapist. I like that she respects Riley's, right? No, she doesn't respect Riley's rights. She writes it off as like, there's no way this isn't because of your trauma and you should look at that. But then she's like, she can never change. Like no one can ever change her. And true, no one can change her. Of course not. No one should change her. But she can, she can succeed in life with help if she is willing. And, I mean, I threw out a bunch of scenarios before not to toot my own horn, like a ton of therapeutic methods to help Riley, but whatever, not to mention, you know, thera- therapy for trauma, uh, you know, and, and just like seeing her more than once might help. Um, so I think, yeah, that therapist was kind of garbage. Nancy, Nancy, yes, suck. Um, I was uh, mistaking her for the therapist that we see who meets with sharmissa so that's my bad sharmissa's therapist gets two thumbs up nancy you ain't fancy and i don't like ya all right um and then we just get the information that riley is still engrossed in her adult baby addiction and she's convinced that it's the right lifestyle for her which is like again that's okay like that's totally fine it's all about where she what she wants to do um it's all about what she chooses and believes is best for her and that's what she believes is best for her and thankfully it's not something that's you know physically harming her it's not a cult it's not like an abusive relationship you know If you think about it, if it does not harm her and she can live her life, then okay, she's okay. I mean, like I said before, there's communities of people like this. However, if she didn't, if she felt trapped, if she didn't want to live like this forever, if she felt compelled to change, there's many, many ways for her to receive help. That's not just be different, you know? Okay, well, I'm going to move off my soapbox here. Um, and then because we need to uh, finish up with our, our little journey with Sharmisa by uh, w- watching her meet with her therapist, the one that I actually like. So let's go ahead and do that. I unshared my screen. That was very silly of me. Why did I do that? Okay, here we go.
2: Charmissa's eaten dryer sheets every day for the last four years. It started as a love of the fresh scent. Now she eats over eight dryer sheets a day. She even hides them in her bra so they're close by when she has a craving. But threats from the doctor that her addiction could cause cancer or nervous system damage scared Charmissa enough to seek help from a therapist.
1: What prompted you first using the dryer sheets, do you know? I will be honest with you, my mom, unfortunately, um, she struggles with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I saw her doing as a child. Okay. Um, so, and I didn't think that it was good for her to do either. You know, she would just blow it off. And honestly, I'm the same way. I kind of like blow it off, but I say, don't you do it. Mm-hmm. You know, Mommy just needs to do it right now. I, mm-hmm. But don't you do it.
5: Mm-hmm. You know? So very
1: conflicting messages. Yes. You know, sometimes I don't feel that I'm a good mom. <laughs> I'm
5: sorry. <laughs> you know, I think about <laughs> the fact that I
1: didn't have my mom. <laughs> I mean my mother, she was in, in existence, but we didn't we didn't have her mentally. My kids, they have me. They have me. You know,
0: sometimes I just feel like a failure in that aspect. Those kind of, that negative self-talk, right, I call those ants, A-N-T-S, ants, automatic negative thoughts. When you fill your head with that kind of stuff,
5: it's pollution, right, and we need to exterminate those ants. I can tell you really, really
0: want to do it differently. Mm So then we get um, just the blurb that says Sharmisa has cut back to only two dryer sheets a day. She plans to return to the therapist. And here's where I just want to say I loved that therapist. She got Charmissa on board. She got her to open up. It was heartbreaking to hear Sharmisa say that she feels like she's a bad mom. That was so sad because she's so clearly not and it's, she's so clearly influenced by like a really, really challenging childhood. I don't know in what, in which ways her mom wasn't there for her. She doesn't elaborate, but regardless, she, she felt alone and it almost seems like consuming things like her mother did things that are not food perhaps is almost a way to like try to connect to her mom that she never felt she could reach, uh, So, man, there's a lot of layers there. And again, I just admire her forthrightness. And and I admire the therapist for letting her cry, for letting her have that moment. But then for saying, these are, you know, what she calls ants. These are automatic negative thoughts. You don't even get a chance to question them. They just pop into your head and you take them for true. And that is such a good way of putting it because that is what, you know, like anxiety what we call stuck points are the things that your brain just start just tells you and you just accept it and never question it things like i'll never be blank or no one will ever love me or it doesn't matter if i blank it or um you know nothing good's gonna happen i'll never make money like just these declarations like these really negative definitive statements that we somehow grow to accept as truth these stuck points you know these ants they pop in your head and they don't give you a chance to question them and that's why therapy is so helpful you guys and you don't have to go pay someone i mean google things like there are so many ways to learn about how to pull these thoughts apart diagrams it's just it's okay it's it's like you treat your physical health treat your medical your mental health like your brain's really important we all know that okay anyway soapbox time again I guess um but anyway I feel very hopeful for Sharmisa and she loved that ants analogy um and I did too because when you give somebody something like that to visualize um and to hold on to as a concept like a really really clear analogy that's impactful they'll they'll never lose that they'll never lose it it will it will stick with them forever and they'll start telling other people and that's great so i love it um yeah wow you guys can't believe it but we actually made it through the whole episode and i am so happy to have made it here with you all whoever is listening Uh, i want to give a shout out to my beautiful aussie friend Matilda, Matilda, I know you're listening and I love you and you're beautiful and admirable and I can't wait until you are back on the show. Matilda was a guest a while back in the depths of quarantine. We covered uh I love you now die together and it was epic. And she's going to come back soon and do something with me. So Matilda, I heard you had a bad day yesterday. So this one's for you, baby. Um, I'm going to close out this episode with just some uplifting thoughts from Sharmissa. And other than that, you guys stay safe, stay sane. You know, stay home. <laughs> just try to take it a day at a time. Don't borrow problems from tomorrow. And by that, I mean Don't go crazy with the what ifs and scenarios. Try to deal with what's in front of you and what's real and what's now. And take deep breaths and stretch and drink water and take baths. Okay. All right, everybody, my people, I love you. Goodbye. It's very important that I stop
1: this addiction to the drawer sheets for my kids. And I just have to be more of an encouragement to myself by getting rid of the ants. I love that analogy that she used about the ants. So whatever negative thoughts, you know, that come to mind, that that's not who I am. That's not who Charmisa is. I want to be here in the land of the living, still taking care of my kids. You know, that's what matters at the end of the day. Not a dry sheet. My kids mean more. I mean more.
7: Time you're getting low, instead of letting go, just remember that ant. Whoops, there goes another rubber tree plant.
5: Whoops, there goes another rubber tree plant.
7: Oops, there goes another rubber tree plant. silly old ram thought he'd punch a hole in a dam. No one could make that ram scram. He kept button that damn cause he had high hopes. He had high hopes. He had high apple pie in the sky. So anytime you're feeling bad instead of feeling sad, just remember that ram Whoops, there goes a billion, kill a what damn. Whoops, there goes a billion, kill dam. what Oops there goes another problem curve Whoops! there goes another problem curve